The following podcast is a B&E Network exclusive. B movies and ebooks. I'm Craig Wade, and I'm Brian Allen Delaney. Today we are talking. I cannot remember the name of Raccoons Two. The subplot. It's K- Killer Raccoons Two: Dark Christmas of the Dark. <laughs> if I, 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 I'm pretty sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And you know, they did say the titular line several times. <laughs> yeah, but Dark Christmas in the dark. Dark Christmas the in dark. the dark. Um, yeah. and, uh, the book dust by Chris Miller, brand new splatter Western, which yeah. now I believe there's another new splatter. Ah, Western. Crap. Now we're going to have to do that next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They put out more splatter Westerns than we do episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. before we get into that, what's new with you? Um, not, not too much. Just been, you know. Do, doing nothing in yeah. quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I, I've been watching some movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Caught up on some things that I've missed in the past year or so. Watched Little Women. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Pride <laughs> and Prejudice the other day. Which one? Uh, the Keira Knightley one. Yeah. My wife actually watched that one the other day. Yeah. Of course, she's watched it a million times, and so have I. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, this yeah. is the new Little Women you're talking about. Yeah, the one with uh, Sorhe or Sorcy, Ro- Ro- yeah, Rowan and Emma Watson and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the the guy who's gonna play Paul Atreides in the new Dune. Oh yeah, comes out. Yeah. Cool. Which I'm super pumped about. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. You know, I know it was, it was interesting because, like, it went with a non-linear storytelling. Oh, it was okay. like a, it was like a Tarantino film because it did it did one time where it said like seven years earlier or whatever, but then it would just randomly shift between the two time periods without any sort of, um, warning. Yeah. <laughs> huh. But yeah, you know, I know we read that we read that in school, but I don't remember the plot of Little Women. Uh, apparently it is a book within a book do you remember like i remember reading it in sixth grade but i don't Dude, remember i any. remember reading half of like two books <laughs> in English class. i remember reading the outsiders uh fahrenheit 451 <laughs> yeah that was a that was a banger um it came out uh, sarcastic but the, i wasn't trying the, to be the giver that was a good one yeah brave new world i never read the giver i read the giver yeah 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 i remember brave new world and uh uh, weathering heights i remember watching the movie to weathering heights yeah and heathcliff yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> um, no, and then like after after we read Fahrenheit 451, we watched the movie from the 60s. Yeah, the realest jetpack scenes ever. That's what I was picturing in my head when I said that was a banger. <laughs> but dude, I love that book. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good book. Did you watch that HBO adaptation a few years back? It was it so is, bad. It is it is on my HBO list. It's one my of the HBO worst Max things I've list. ever seen. I'll put it that way. <laughs> like, when you compare it to the book, it has almost nothing to do with it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be Michael B. Jordan running around on a fire truck shooting books with fire? Uh, there's some of that. Okay, I mean, most of that book. Well, I'll put it this way. I've turned it off after 40 minutes. I don't remember any of that. But uh, I do remember just being like, wow, they're so off base. I mean, all we wanted was one faithful adaptation. Nope. Are you, are you telling me the one from the 60s with the jetpacks isn't faithful enough? Uh, they got the ending right. Yeah. I forgot what. I mean, <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just saying it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad adaptation. No, it just had cheesy effects. But You know, yeah, it was the 60s. I don't give a shit if it was the 30s. It had bad effects. You know what always hit me as like a a, a remake of uh, Fahrenheit 451, but not like, not like specifically a remake of Fahrenheit 451? Equilibrium. With Have you Christian ever seen that? Bale? Yeah. I've seen at it, and by that I mean I've put it on and done other stuff. So no, I haven't. Liked I, I like it. I think it's a legitimately good movie. But it's like very much that where it's uh, things that cause emotion, mm-hmm. not just books. It's so it's like paintings and books and movies or whatever. Like basically, art is outlawed, and anything that causes an emotional response is outlawed. And so like he and the other ministry people go and track it down and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Right. But then it's like, Oh, he finds something that moves him and, you know, slowly stops taking his medication and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it's basically exactly like for Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. Cause Fahrenheit 451, they had the Soma, right? Mm-hmm. The, where they, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. wife was all hopped up on Soma and just watched TV all day. Soma just like yeah. leveled you out and made you, you yeah. know, a consumer and nothing else. Yeah. Ah, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, that book, according to Bradbury, is not about censorship. Yeah, it's just about, um, uh, it's about how TV ruins everything. <laughs> it's actually really what it's I, about. Cause I it's, don't remember what it was. All I remember was that it wasn't about some censorship. That's what it was about. Yeah, it was about, um, about basically the dumbing down of entertainment. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, uh, you know, off, off, uh, normal subject movies that we watched, uh, recently. So I, you know, like I said, I watched, uh, what was it? Pride and prejudice. My wife yeah. turned it on. In fact, when she was scrolling through what we could watch, I I'm, went to the theater to see that one. I'm, <laughs> I, we've seen it before, but I, it's never my go-to, but no. as soon as she's scrolling, when it came across, I was like, oh, shit, please don't let her see it in my head. <laughs> like, come on, come on. And then she found it, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, real, real huh? quick, though, Colin Firth is a much better Mr. Darcy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Which one? Oh, he was in the 90s one or what? 
Yeah, he was in the, he's actually been in it a couple times. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't I don't remember who who the actor was in this, but he was just like a pouty little shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's Mr. Darcy, but <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it was like you know her falling in love with a wooden stump of a man or something. He just went, <laughs> what a beautiful love story. <laughs> yeah. yeah um but no other off normal topic movies that i watch yeah uh perks of being a wallflower i recommend it that's all hey, you've been talking about that all week in <laughs> no, chat no, no i mentioned it twice in chat once yeah, about how right. the well, end... that sounds exactly like this movie i just watched <laughs> no the end <laughs> the end was like what in the shit like really because like, it's a coming of age film and then it blindsides you with this ending that they for, foreshadow but you're like they're not going to do that in this nice little pg-13 coming of age oh no they did it <laughs> so that's a thing um yeah. and the other one that i love this past week i can't talk about well i think we're covering it next episode <laughs> oh are we yeah. are we not yeah, yeah uh, we're going to oh okay well, then maybe I didn't love it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Join us next week when we discuss the host. <laughs> or host. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't. Uh, KillerCon. KillerCon happened and is happening currently as we record this at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but, but which Sunday? <laughs> probably the Sunday that KillerCon happens on. Um, but yeah, so the winners last night, uh, do we want to go through those? Winners of the Splatterpunk Awards? Sure. Okay, so last night, Best Novel went to Lake House Infernal by Christine Morgan. That's like a uh, continuation on the Ed Lee Infernal series of books. Pretty, pretty neat. Uh, best novella, One for the Road by Wesley Southern uh, with Deadite Press. Um, I don't know anything about that book. Do you? No. Okay. Best short story, uh, Angel Bait by Ryan Harding from The Big Book of Blasphemy from Necro Publications. Um, and best collection, D- Dirty Rotten Hippies and Other Stories by Brian Smith with Grindhouse Press. And Best Anthology, And Hell Followed, edited by Jared Barbie and Patrick C. Harrison III. That's Head Press. So, shout out to our buddies at, uh, well, to everyone that won, but also our buddies at Death's Head Press. Uh, Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. Not bad for a first publication. No, that was literally the first book (laughs) that they did. That's fantastic. They've gone, they've done a shitload in a very short amount of time. Yeah, like, like whenever you were, you told me that they won last night, right? And I was like, oh, good for them. And then I was like, holy crap, has that been like last year? Yeah, it was like <laughs> fe- January or February. Or last yeah, year. and I was like, how have they done like so such a huge of- catalog in like a year and a half? Yeah, they literally just came out of the gate swinging. So yeah, I mean, but it's obviously working. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean. I, for a long time, I tried to keep up with uh, with all of their books, like at least owning them. And now I'm like, ah, I'll get to them later. <laughs> you know, like I have a lot of them. There's some that I don't have, but yeah. 
I don't. Well, I guess I have and I think I have in hell followed in paperback only. Yes, I do. But uh, but I don't own well and the hard goodbye by Chris Miller. But those are the only two that I own in paperback. The rest are Kindle. Yeah. But freaking cool. But yeah, definitely. The, well, with that, you ready to jump into? Oh no, I had uh, I had an actual piece of news. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, did you hear yeah. that? It, it's it's kind of in the rumor mill, um, but it's it's kind of largely confirmed um, that uh, Disney um, has no plans on releasing uh, any more live action on physical media. So no more 4K discs or even DVDs or anything um, going forward. Like nothing? Nothing. Oh, wait, so, when you said live action. Yes. So they're going to still do their Disney, like, the, kit, like the, the animated films, but that means nothing that they bought from 20th Century Fox um, and, like, whatever other things. Uh, they, they said they might exclude Star Wars. That's what and, I was going to say. They're losing a shitload. And, and Marvel from that. But that means, like, uh, you know, like, they bought... Fox, so that means no like 4K re-releases of things, um, and, and like this may it's, be it's, uh-huh. this may be me out loud thinking, but Go do ahead. you think a lot of that ha- happens to be because they've been silently editing shit behind the scenes whenever it's causing stares, and so there's Maybe. no real evidence. Uh, it it is it would be i think probably easier for them to keep a lid on things mm. and then also like um if if they edit something again mm-hmm. they they don't have to you know there's yeah, no re-release stuff there's no record. Uh, maybe i mean that's kind of a nice conspiracy theory behind it but well i mean, I mean it's not just out of the right. field they've done that shit like a lot They've mm-hmm. they've edited a lot of things out of of things. Yeah. So I mean, they did it with a lot of the Simpsons episodes too, and they didn't even do a fucking right transfer on the Simpsons. They're all uh, pan and scan. Did you really? Yes. Ew. So, yeah. Yeah. So like when you were watching them on Hulu, remember when they had every Simpsons for a while? Yeah. It was much better because uh, they were not pan and scan. But anyway. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Whoa. that they'll fix it because there's been an outcry on the internet about it, which, thankfully... Yeah, um, but I just think it's, I think it's interesting, like, um, the, there there's, like, two releases sl- scheduled for 4K next month, and those are the last ones. And it's Home Alone and Hocus Pocus. <laughs> huh. And then uh, they they said that, or, or the, the rumor mill says that... Uh, the only exception seems to be Avatar to like appease James Cameron whenever, you know, like they're going to do like a that and the, the future sequels to Avatar. You know, I respect that James Cameron keeps technology moving forward, but I think mm-hmm. um, everything else I hate about him. <laughs> Just as a man, he has way too many demands on his shit. Yeah, but whatever. Who cares? What are you gonna do? But yeah. So I mean, it just it just sucks for anybody who likes to collect physical media. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and now that Sony owns everything, you know, that could be a large chunk of movies just kind of disappearing. Well, I'm going to the digital download only. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the things that I like a lot, I've been trying to at least get deals on, even if I'm not seeking them out, if I run across them. Although it's been much less since the quarantine started. And by less, I mean almost non-existent except for random eBay stuff. But I try to find physical media because I believe that once things do go digital, we're going to see random edits when people want. Nothing will ever be a con- like a completed work. It'll just be like, oh yeah, fix that one. Oh yeah, I did that. Turned out I didn't like this line. I removed it. Oh yeah, this scene's gone. Like it sucks to me. Uh, yeah. I think. But what are you gonna do? I didn't, I didn't even think about like the the possibility of that happening. Yeah. Like constant edit. If everyone turned into George Lucas. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of books that do that, too, where they'll, you know, put out different editions, expanded editions and shit like that. But to me, it's a little different. They usually, like, say that. Yeah. You know? Author's preferred version or something like that. Yeah. Or they'll just be physically different versions of it, right? Yeah. But, yeah, if, if everything just keeps getting edited behind the scenes. Yeah, they don't have to say anything. It's going to suck. Well, it's just dumb. But what are you going to do? I mean, did you know, like, the the quote-unquote official uh, Beetlejuice has been cleaned up? Really? Yeah. Like, the the only version you can buy is a cleaned-up version. What'd they do? Get rid There's of the whorehouse? I can get rid of what? The whorehouse? No, I think, <laughs> I think honestly, the only thing in, in that they cleaned up was the F word. But, mm. but even so, it's like, it's dumb. I mean, but maybe it shouldn't have been there. Like, I think that movie has turned into more of a kid's movie than it was ever intended to in the first place. Yeah, I I, I actually agree with that. Like, I feel like um, I feel like it's way more kid friendly (laughs) than you think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? Whenever he kicks the tree and it falls, and he's like, nice fucking model and honks his balls. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that that's not in there anymore. That sucks. I mean, <laughs> it's not like that was the shining moment of the film, but still, it's, it's kind of just yeah, dumb. But I mean, I'm also one that doesn't really think that like language is a big deal. No, well, I'm you know? sure it had a little more to do with this ball honking than his language. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't I say, guess I won't say names on the podcast, but we have a friend that remember when we were kids, he would always he would always just do that. Goes nice fucking model, honk honk. <laughs> do you remember that? No, <laughs> he was. Uh, well, I'll talk about it off mic. He was one of, <laughs> one of our friends that we always hung out with, and I don't understand how you remember, don't remember him doing that. Just like constantly quoting Beetlejuice? <laughs> Not just Beetlejuice. That one line. And it never made sense to me, like, like the context he would do it in, but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause literally you'd be like, oh man, I missed the bus and be like, nice fucking model. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) 
right. What do you want to do first? All right. Let's do uh, Killer Raccoons 2. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back with Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark, uh, written and directed um, by, what, I just had it, Travis Irvine. Okay, so here's the, here's the IMDb synopsis. It says, on a snowy Christmas Eve, former mild-mannered college student Casey Smallwood is released from prison after serving 10 years for underage drinking. Eager to get out of town, he hops on the express train to Washington, D.C., but after the Holiday Express takes off, it's hijacked by an angry gang of domestic terrorists and highly intelligent government-trained raccoons. Not one to back down from a raccoon fight, Casey joins forces with a porter on the train to fight the terrorists. Wow. So so this is basically under siege uh-huh. uh, with, with raccoons. Yeah, and a fun fact about this... Uh... Oh, go the, the, the last weekend, uh, this was number eleven at the box office. <laughs> I mean, it only made three thousand four hundred seventy-two dollars, but that probably was a profit. <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy tweeted out, "Thanks to everyone who made Killer Raccoons the number one comedy in America," and then asterisk, <laughs> largely due to a bizarre set of circumstances. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, we we did the original. Yeah, and apparently the original came out in two thousand five. I didn't realize it was that old. I thought it was somewhat new. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, Coons Night of the Bandits of the Night. Yeah, I thought it was like like a student film, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a five thousand dollar film, um, and it's a trauma film. And this one, I don't believe, is a trauma film, but it's yeah, may it as well be. <laughs> right? uh, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> the other one, Night of the Bandits of the Night, and this is Dark Christmas in the Dark. It's good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. Yeah, and you know, so this came out, uh, it was a $5 for pay-per-view, which <laughs> I thought that it was... See, it pisses me off when people say, it's coming to Amazon Prime. Because then it implies yeah, that it's you feel free. Like it's going to be free, yeah, but then it's five bucks. It, it should just be coming, coming to Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, but I think it's because if you don't have the Prime app, you can't watch it on the TV. So that's why they say that. I don't know, but it's still stupid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, this is totally under siege with raccoons. Yeah, like and it was amazing. See, <laughs> okay. I love the first one, and this one made me laugh multiple times, but there was something that didn't feel right about it, and I don't know what it was. I couldn't put it... It, it wasn't a horror. You like, think, the, the original one was a, was a horror comedy. Yeah. This was not at all. Now, there were certain things. Uh, this, yeah, you're right. I mean, this was a action... Comedy, but mostly this, comedy. This was aliens. <laughs> yeah, is what it was. Uh, I mean, because the you know first Alien is a horror. Yeah, movie, yeah, sci-fi. But, movie. but aliens. And aliens is an action movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's certain so things back to James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, certain things in here that I did love. Vodsodes. Yeah, <laughs> everybody was ordering vodka sodas, vodka soda. It's where you get what twice the alcohol with uh, 
with uh, the lowest amount of or the highest amount of alcohol with the lowest amount of calories but yeah, like yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there were a, like it's a comedy movie right yeah. i mean like think about it it's i mean, you look at the the cover of the movie and it's a raccoon with a machine gun and a santa hat yeah right um but there there were some jokes that to me you know fell flat or were just like dumb or like lots of dumb yes okay Uh, can there was a couple of characters in particular that like every time they came on the screen i was like uh oh me too actually there was only one that i was like oh well one ron jeremy phoned it in worse than i've ever seen him phone in any acting i feel like they didn't give him a script yeah Yeah. i feel like they didn't give him a script and he was literally just like asking questions about the plot of the movie yeah he he thought it was in between takes he was definitely there as a plot device like you know because he'd be like how these raccoons get into space where'd the funding come from it felt like they didn't tell him what the movie was about (laughs) and then he just was asking questions to the director maybe i don't know (laughs) and they just filmed it but he he every time I saw Ron Jeremy, I was like, "Oh no, this sucks." But he didn't annoy me. I mean, it's still it was Ron Jeremy, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you you, you come to expect Ron Jeremy's uh, particular performance styles yes. in these kind of movies. I'll bet we both hated the same character, though. I bet the that one uh, female commander or person at the command base. Yes. She was the worst I've ever seen in any movie (laughs) in terms of being annoying. Like everyone else, at least like would say dumb stuff and do dumb stuff. But, but she was just like, yeah, they would do it straight. Everyone played this movie straight except for her. Except for that person. Yeah. 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 Uh, But whatever. Uh, But luckily they're only in like two, three scenes. Yeah. So, yeah. whatever. Uh, so it's not like a, a huge distraction, but it was annoying. I did love, but the, I also think that was the point of that character was to be overly annoying. Oh, I'm sure. Otherwise, I mean, that definitely wasn't not on purpose. Nobody acts like that. <laughs> uh, I did love uh, other also. Uh, when people would die in it, they'd always go, I'm dead for real. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause the spoilers, the, the, the bad guy or the, the, the character from the first movie returns as the villain. Um, actually all like pretty much everyone who died from yeah. the first one returns as the villain. And I love how all the villains wear eye patches, every <laughs> single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Cause the raccoons clawed at their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it was, I'm dead for real every time somebody dies. Uh, but I don't know. There was there was a lot of like fun things, a lot of things like making fun of action tropes in particular, like that. Like if you don't see it, if you don't see the body, then you don't know if they're dead, right? Because mm-hmm. that happens in like every action movie ever, mm-hmm. right? That and like um, the main character isn't played by the same actor. Mm-hmm. Right, and so they kept bringing that up, right? <laughs> like he changed his name. Yeah, and right? he's like, I almost which, feel like a totally which, new person. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Just like, almost as if I'm a different person. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, yeah, the name change 
was such a stupid idea, but then paid off at the end. I guess I don't even remember it paying off at the end. It was just for a pun. Oh. Hmm. It was for a stupid pun. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, but it's just like, oh. I, I don't know. So, so, so it's like, you know, like things like that. Like it was just uh, just making fun of all these um, action movie tropes. Right. Um, you know, with, I don't know, the even even the highly trained government raccoon assassins is like sort of, you know, making fun of those uh the the sort of outlandish things that would happen especially in 80s movies where it'd be like highly trained government cyborgs and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. you know like uh what's the name of the ultimate soldier or ultimate was that the name of it universal soldier universal soldier like yeah. that sort of thing mm-hmm. you know where it's like i don't know it, it it only would have been worse if uh they would have like shot one of the raccoons and it had like metal underneath it or something like that yeah which they easily could have i I mean this this movie even though we said they play it straight nothing in this movie was realistic in any way and all the raccoons were basically almost unmovable puppets i'm pretty sure they were taxidermy raccoons (laughs) yeah they just like there was the smallest amount now i did love whenever and they even put it on the poster the raccoon taking the sniper shot (laughs) that was amazing um i don't know i mean i didn't hate this film at all it made me laugh a lot it just yeah. there was something and i think you're right i think that it was just a well i don't know if it was just the genre change that was that bothered me but whatever either way it was something <laughs> i'm looking at the indiegogo for it and it raised 1390 dollars out of a 13000 dollar budget <laughs> so um i don't i don't know like i think <laughs> You I are- think I appreciate it for what they did. Okay? Oh, for sure. So, like, um, how they were able to actually, like, stretch the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so, so, like, it's on a train, and most of it's an actual train, right? Like, uh, it, it seems like it's an old abandoned train or something because it's rusted as crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are certain scenes... Like, I, I think um, they were able to kind of, like, trick you at times, right? And not break the immersion. Because, like, they would walk into a door, and the way it would would be framed is, like, they would go through a door, and they'd be in someone's bedroom. Right? Yeah. But, but like, because of the way, like, the shot was framed, and the way everything was, like, cohesive with, like, the christmas lights and stuff like that you don't necessarily notice that all of a sudden they're in somebody's bedroom and not on the train anymore yeah you know what i mean like it was it was really like honestly like competently done oh for sure yeah it was it was made well <laughs> like you could tell it had no budget but it was very it was made very well um yeah you know, I really think that watching this after host may have been my problem. Not directly, but two two days after. Uh-huh. And the reason being is both of them were no-budget films. Mm-hmm. 
and one of them shines much better than the other. I mean, we'll go into it next week. I, I don't, and you know, we won't talk about it, but, uh, at length until next week or next episode, but, uh, host was made extremely like it was fantastically made for no budget. Like, yeah. And so I think a lot of that it may be where, not that I was expecting too much, because like you said, they they stretched the budget very well, and it was it was very well made. But I think that just just the the uh, fact that I had to basically compare it in my mind for some reason, you know, I just made myself uh, draw parallels between the two and. Not that I think that these, you know, Host was a serious film. This is not serious at all. Uh, uh, and this is rewatchable. This is rewatchable as hell. Like, I got, I'll probably rewatch it again. I kind of want to rewatch both of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And th- that was one thing I was like, man, I wish I had watched uh, the first one uh, more recently because this was. Uh, you know, because it, there was a surprising amount of continuity. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it all hinged on characters that I'd forgotten completely about. Like I remembered the name Danger Rick Danger or Ranger Rick Danger, but yeah. I didn't remember anything about him. You know, yeah. but yeah. So long story short, yeah, I like this film. I thought it was well made, um, but could I recommend it? Is kind of what I'm. Um. <sighs> I, I think you'd have to recommend it to a very specific type of person. Yeah. If it's a person who likes trauma and stuff like that, absolutely. Yeah, I think a Chris Seaver fan base would love this yeah, film. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it does have that kind of feel. Uh-huh. Maybe a little less on the Sexual. disgusting side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But a lot on that that kind of edgy comedy side, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I don't know what I can. I'm going to give this a three out of five. I'm going to go a little bit higher, uh-huh. and I'm just it's not a lot higher. Three point one. Three point one. Three point oh five. But like I don't know, I liked it. I thought it was really enjoyable. It had a lot of, it had a lot of jokes to me that landed, mm-hmm. right? And even some little subtle ones, uh, like all the thing about like um, there, there was like, I don't know. There, there, there were jokes that were really, really funny. Most of them landed. There were some that did not, uh, you know. And then the the one character that we talked about, um, but <clears throat> I don't know, like. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a serious movie, but they played it seriously, and I love it whenever that happens. Like that's like, that's like classic ones, like Airplane, yeah. do the same thing. You know, where it's like it's played one hundred percent seriously, except for the one character in the tower. Uh, I forgot his name, oh, but yeah. uh, who's always making like jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But. Um, uh, I enjoy movies when they do that. Whenever you, whenever people put like characters in ridiculous situations, but they play it like it's uh, not normal, but they they play it like it's actually life threatening, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm a fan of that. Um, 
I, I am actually very impressed with, uh, like I said, the, the kind of like level of quality that you got, like, like there, there, it was, it was crazy. Um, how much they were able to squeeze out with such a tiny little budget. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was impressive. Um, so yeah, three and a half. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you should oh, know oh, by oh, now oh. if you're... So, oh, go ahead. All right. So other stuff, like uh, how they obviously bought toy guns, mm-hmm. right? Um, because that's way cheaper than, like, prop guns and stuff like that, uh-huh. right? Um, but they wrote it into the script that it was special guns for the raccoons because they're tinier. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like- so it's like, that's kind of genius, you know, <laughs> to, like... Even even like, there's a reason why they spent five dollars on you know, toy guns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love the fact that they shot tiny, you know, caliber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they like made a mention. They're like, uh, you know, one of the one of the guys gets shot, and he's like, oh no, he's like, I don't even think it went in, you know, or whatever. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, yeah no i i think uh, people listening should know just from this description whether or not they're in the target audience you know if you are a fan of trauma or airplane or receiver films or really you know any of those super uh low budget cheesy comedy things uh, this this and part one you really should check out so yeah all right Well, we'll be back with our review of Dust. Eighteen seventy nine, an unknown and timeless evil descends upon East Texas. James D, bestowed with knowledge from beyond, moves through time and space, pursuing age old horrors and ending their reign. As he seeks the hidden town of Dust to continue his life work, another is hot on his heels and will stop at nothing to rip the divine knowledge from D. As these opposing forces collide, D becomes both hero and villain in his quest against the elders. He doesn't have time to be sorry. There are gods to kill! This is Dust by Chris Miller. Yeah, what? Just nothing. You're just an enthusiastic reading of that. Well, it was all. Well, the her gods to kill was all. You know, like in caps. Yeah. And but yeah. So this came out June tenth, and yeah, from uh, Death's Head Press, part of their Splatter Western series. This is book three. Um, this as we had talked on our last episode with Chris Miller and uh, Patrick Harrison and Mike Innenbach, this we hadn't actually read anything of Chris's other than shorts. Um, yeah, but so this is the first uh, full length that I've read from Chris Miller, and um, uh, it is very much in line with the other with the other Splatter westerns. Um, uh, a very good, you know, an entry into the series, but it it did hold its own at being different, you know, like yeah, it's it had a it had a much different like sort of backbone to it, yeah, than than the rest of them did. Um, it was still and and <clears throat> okay, so 
you know, just judging by the cover, okay, just because I'm trying not to spoil a whole bunch of it, um, you could tell that this one probably has more of a Lovecraft vibe to it. Yeah. Right, or, you know, sort of Lovecraftian bent to it. And it does, uh, which I appreciate. Um, But there's also some other aspects of it that kind of take it a little bit out of the Western genre Mm -hmm. for me. Um, And so a lot of it uh, felt a little less Western than the other ones did and maybe a little bit more... um, I don't want to say sci-fi... But a little, a little less, a little more timeless, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, because the other ones, they're kind of the other splatter western ones, and this, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying the other ones are like very firmly rooted in um, western setting, right? Yeah. And then this one, it feels like a lot of it could have taken place, you know, in in different time periods and it really wouldn't have made too much of a difference and you know what what's it, what's interesting though is like i say that and i think it's because it's the lovecraft feel right because it's the the hunting you know elder gods and, and stuff like that but if you think about it a lot of lovecraft stuff was also set in the late 1800s yeah yeah so it's so, so it's really not a different time period it's just you know, a different side of the same coin, you know? Yeah, no, and I hear what you're saying, and I do agree, but I think a lot of that has to do with... uh, uh, Inherent bias? No, no, spoilers, I mean, probably, but spoilers for... uh, Fast forward 15 seconds, if not. You have a character from the future going back, and so he seems more modern, even though it is a Western. All right, spoilers are over, you know? yeah. No, no, and I think that, and, but but that's also like, you know, what kind of gave it its its unique flavor. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean. And so it's not necessarily criticism, like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. But you know, it's it's like one of those things. Like go, going back to my original point is that it's one of those things that feels like it's a different time period because, um, you know, like we're from Texas, mm-hmm. right? And so to me, like cowboy times is like its own thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, think about it like Lego sets. You know, you had pirate sets and you had knight sets and you had cowboy sets and stuff. And you don't necessarily think of them as being like together mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, um, you know, it, it's, it's like how you don't think about Benjamin Franklin and Mozart were friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like you think of them as two different time periods, even though they weren't. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about that earlier this week in our group chat with like Hendrix and Picasso and the fact that Picasso lived till what, seventy three, but Hendrix died in seventy. And yeah. I think about Picasso being much Way before. Older. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda crazy. It's crazy how yeah. time works. <laughs> <laughs> and so so it's like, um, I don't know. I'm a sucker for for uh, Lovecraft style stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the whole Elder God mythos sort of thing. 
Um, so that really piqued my interest. And when it actually got into that, because it's probably, what, a third of the book before it really starts doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think it really picked up for me because I, I liked the descriptions of things. Um, you know, there was one passage in particular where he went full Lovecraft and said things that were undescribable. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and I highlighted that one because it made me laugh. Um, but I, I thought, like, he did a really good job with sort of catching the vibe of, like, cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. And and the, um, the, the things from beyond that are, you know, past our comprehension sort of things. Um, so that was... I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. I mean, and just in general, because like, I find myself, I'm really enjoying these kind of violent, pulpy Western books. Yeah, me too. This is awesome. I mean, <laughs> they're like probably my favorite thing right now, you know, Yeah. Uh, in terms of literature. Now, I am totally down later this month for... Uh, Total opposite of this. Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Cesare. Or Adam <laughs> Caesar, however you want to. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he's one of the few yeah. authors that's gotten fives from us. Yeah, and it's a young adult, uh, and it looks fantastic. And there's a film green lit on it, but I really, really cannot wait to read that. So that's the other thing that I'm super excited about. So it's either a modern day young adult book about a clown in a cornfield or, uh, you know, spider westerns. 180. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about compartmentalization. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I, I agree. This was fantastic. Uh, one thing that I really, really enjoyed. And now this uh, is less about plot than it is about execution, although the plot definitely plays into it. The pacing of this book, I was surprised to just learn that this is 260 pages because I read it on my Kindle, you know, the pacing Mm -hmm. of this book. Fantastic. Like I didn't realize it was even that long. I knew it wasn't a short book, but, uh, I, it feels like one of the acts were very long, probably act two. If you think about it in three act structure was Mm -hmm. very long and it didn't really lose steam. It was, Hot, everyone hot on the heels of everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, because it, it, it was sort of like a it was a cat and mouse type thing, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, you know when when the action would come to a head, uh, he did a really smart thing where it would like kind of go back and sort of replay some of the events through a different character's perception, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and there was a couple times where like the same scene basically played out like a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But from different perspectives, um, and I think that was a really nice way to flesh out some of the characters. Yeah, uh, you know, especially some of the ancillary characters, like some of Dreary's men mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and give them more, um, more development and more realism, and then just brutally murder them in like the next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was one point where that happened. I was like, well, why do we have to go back? <laughs> you know? like, why do we have to see that from their perspective if they're just gone? But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a it was very well done in terms of pacing. Um, there was not 
there was not like a whole lot of wasted anything either. You know, there wasn't, it didn't really meander down roads that didn't need to be uh, visited. And there only, I have only one con about this entire book. Uh, obviously there were lots and lots of, um, references to other books. I, I think, what was it? Uh, Carl Beck was in there. They talked about Duncan, the town called Duncan. Yeah. Uh, obviously James D was referenced in, what was that in Mike in a box book? Hunger on the Chisholm yeah, Trail. Yeah, uh, on Chisholm Trail. Um, yeah, and so like it was well, super well written, action driven from like every page, great pacing. But there was a character early in that never really got a payoff, and that's totally okay if this is going to be serialized. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, the character, and I won't really say uh, the name of the character, uh, but to me, it just never felt like they got uh, a payoff in this and that's fine uh but if this is like a serial or something like that which i easily could see this being you know a series of books james d on on um then that makes sense but if this is a one and done thing it's kind of like hmm i wonder what was that person just there for plot but anyway uh but that's literally my only only uh con on this book which is kind of interesting usually i have a little more a little more negative not negative but cons or you know construction constructive criticism to build on so this isn't necessarily like this isn't a bad thing at all either but like you could tell um both with with john d's character and his backstory which I don't really want to go into because it's kind of spoilery, mm-hmm. right? Um, you could tell he was an homage to a certain couple of uh, Stephen King characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he kind of lampshaded that at the end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I thought, you know, like, <clears throat> that was a, a, a clever way to, to get around what might be considered criticism you know, if he, if it was like, um, you know, or to get around the accusations of, you know, uh, trying to be too much like the, the those characters or whatever, it's like, it's a in your face, oh, well, yeah, I know, you know, here's a joke about it sort of thing. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I'd say, you know, they're, they're distinct enough that I don't think it would really be um I don't I don't think he copied anything obviously and you know it could just be like uh that particular author is um a influence or whatever and it sort of is, is thrown in there as an homage to them yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I mean okay so the first uh few chapters of this book I kept thinking of, and I haven't even read, you know, the dark tower, but I, I kept uh, thinking of, you know, the man in black fled across the desert and the gun yeah. gunslinger followed. Cause that literally is kind of the beginning of this. Except yeah. for it's uh, the man in the bowler hat and a bow tie. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's what I'm saying though. Like, it's just like, it's a Western and you know, one guy's in hot pursuit of the other guy. Now build it from there. You know, it goes completely yeah. 
presumably different. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read the Dark Tower, <laughs> but but I mean, there, there's there's certain things that um, are kind of similar, yeah. but I, I think they're still distinct enough to where it doesn't matter. We should cover the Dark Tower one day on this. Do all of them. Yeah. One episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, we'll be back next year with our review of the Dark Tower. No, dude, like, uh, it will still wait till, the, like, the night before. <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm, I'm halfway through the gunslinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nine more folks. Um, <laughs> um, you're, you're reading it on like audible at like five times speed <laughs> i'm catching it <laughs> uh yeah so there was that and then there was a character in here that reminded me now i've only seen i haven't read it i've only seen the tv adaptation of the stand but it reminded me a lot of the woman that they kept seeing in the stand uh but anyway whatever uh <laughs> long story short I enjoyed the shit out of this. Yeah. Because we're good. Yep. So, <laughs> I, it's a worthy addition of the uh, Splatter Western uh, series. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you're on the fence, I would go back and read these in order. Um, but, you know, if if I don't think that there's a bad place to start in any of these books, you know? Yeah. So, anyway... All right. Well, uh, what are you going to give it? Uh, I'd say a solid four. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. A solid four out of five. Uh, it was very, very good. Hopefully they do, end, or he he does end up uh, doing some more James D. books. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, there was, you know, a, a, enough that made him like a unique character that I'd, I'd like to see you know more you know yeah. good stuff like all of these characters that you know have been in these splatterpunk westerns have all been uh very interesting yeah you know, back and because he's kind of just like your occultist type person yeah you know, but the, it'd be cool to see the uh, crossover between these two characters like, well, I mean, we kind of already saw a crossover between these two characters. But I mean, like a longer form one, you know? Yeah. Magpie was neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. So, yeah, solid four. All right. Well, check it out. Uh, obviously, you can uh, get that at Amazon or at Death's Head Press. And we will be back next episode where we're covering Host, the new Shutter film, and uh, Christopher Triana's body art. We will be back. The podcast you just heard is part of the B&E Network. Brought to you by bmovies and ebooks.com.